Well, good morning. I'd like to start off by saying that I want to start a series on gratitude. Gratitude is one of the great values of the Christian life, being thankful in all circumstances. And the reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 17, and we're going to be reading from verse 11. Luke 17 and verse 11. This was when the ten lepers were healed of their leprosy. This is God's word. Let's listen carefully. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveling, traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return? to give praise to God except this foreigner. Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. There's a lovely story of uh, a, a storm that took place on Lake Michigan many years ago alongside the town of Evanston. That's where the University of the Northwestern University is, and a storm had taken place and a ship had hit the uh, rocks and was breaking up and people were drowning. Uh, and some of the students went out and they formed a party and they went out to save. And there were many people that were saved, but there was one person whose name was Edward Spencer and he saved 17 people single-handedly. And at the end of the rescue, he was carried to his room and he kept on saying, did I do my best? Did I do my best? Anyway, he saved 17 people. Years later, the evangelist and Christian leader R.A. Torrey was speaking in Los Angeles and he mentioned this incident that took place on Lake Michigan. And he mentioned it and he mentioned the name of Edward Spencer. And somebody cried out in the audience that he was in the audience. He was just sitting along the road, along the way. So R.A. Torrey called him forward, spoke to him a little bit, and then asked him a question. Is there anything that stood out for you from that moment and from that experience? And Spencer said this, only this, sir. Of the 17 people that I saved, not one of them came to say thank you. We, we, we have a difficulty in saying thank you. So there was this experience in the life of Jesus where he was on the way from Galilee to Samaria. And he went through a village and there were some lepers standing on the side of the road. Now, let me tell you, there is no worse disease that could take place during this time and it went off 
well into the medieval ages and even into the 20th century was leprosy. It was a dreaded disease. It was incurable in those days and there was no other disease that was regarded with more terror and pity than leprosy. A historian, Masterman, E.W. Masterman, said this, No other disease reduces a human being to so hideous a wreck. It was an awful disease. And there were two types of leprosy. And the one type of leprosy was nodular leprosy. It starts off with unaccountable lethargy. And it gives incredible pain in your joints. And then all over your back, there come symmetrical discolored patches. And those patches begin to form, turning from pink into brown. The skin thickens. The nodules begin to start to form in the folds of your face, in your nose, in your cheeks, in your forehead, until your whole appearance is changed and you begin to look like a lion. Nodules grow larger. They begin to ulcerate. And they begin to emit a foul discharge. The eyebrows fall out. The eyes become staring. Your voice becomes hoarse. Your breathing starts to wheeze. And slowly but surely the sufferer begins to suffer more and more with ulcerated growths. It lasts for a period of about nine years and then eventually ends in ultimate death. You become utterly repulsive, not only to yourself, but to everyone else. The second type of leprosy is an aesthetic leprosy. And the initial stages is the trunks of your fingers or your hands lose their sensation. You can put your hand under boiling hot water and it loses the sensation. The sufferers begin to know that they have this by scalding their fingers and they don't even feel it. Starts off also with causing patches and blisters. The muscles begin to waste away. Your tendons begin to, to deteriorate and your hands become like claws. Your uh, fingernails become disfigured and discolored. And slowly but surely, your toes and your fingers can in actual fact fall off. Your whole foot can actually fall off. And this lasts between 20 and 30 years. Awful, awful disease. And there were lepers all over Israel. And Jesus encounters 10 of these lepers. They were rendered unclean. They were not supposed to enter the city. They were banished. They were banished from their family. They were banished from their friends. They were to live outside. They were not to approach anybody within six feet, two meters. They were to tear their clothes. They used to shave their heads. And if they came any close to anybody, they used to cover their mouths and shout, unclean, unclean. Even in the medieval ages, priests, when you contracted leprosy, priests called you in and recited the burial service over you. The only participation was to look through, in medieval churches, the leper squint. It was an outside area where they could look into the proceedings that took place inside. But Jesus encounters these ten lepers. 
with this terrible disease. He doesn't go and touch them. He doesn't speak to them. He just says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. And only one came back. And Jesus asked the question, were there not ten of you? Where are the other nine? See, even here in this story, we see the struggle of people saying, thank you. They were all cured along the way, but there was only one. And Luke tells us very clearly that he was a Samaritan. He was, he was not of the Jewish faith. He was different, different in background, different in race. But it's amazing how a, uh, a, te a terrible misfortune uh, can draw people together. And so they were living together as a little colony of lepers. But it was only the Samaritan that came back and said, thank you. Man's ingratitude. And I think Jesus was surprised at this. Probably caused a little bit of heartache. But the majority of us find it difficult to say thank you. So let's examine ourselves and our gratitude versus our ingratitude. I'm going to, there are nine men who didn't come back. So I'm going to preach nine points over three weeks, just to let you know, just over three weeks. So we're going to do three this morning. We're going to do three. The first guy that didn't come back was the get around to it man. I'll get around to it. Just putting it off. Meant to say, but never got around to it. Mariah Carey wrote a song with boys to men many, many years ago. For those who come out of the 80s, and uh, you'll probably remember it. <laughs> it went like this. Sorry I never told you all that I needed to say. I guess I took our forever for granted. Now you've gone away. It's a pretty song, but it's depressing. It's a song about regret. What I wanted to tell you. I meant to tell you. I did love you. I did appreciate you. I was grateful for all that you did. But I took it for granted. I thought you'd always be there. But you weren't. And I never got around to say thank you. Mike and the mechanics. Going back even further. <laughs> I wish I had told you in the living years. Listen, I've done enough funerals to know that the person in that coffin or the person that they are remembering, lots of wonderful things are said over that person. But he or she is dead. I can't hear now. It's too late. Why don't you do it while they're still living? You see, this guy took action and he returned. And sometimes we need to turn our intentions into actions and say thank you. You know, there were three Marys in the New Testament. Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary. 
the two Marys anointed the body of Jesus. At least one of them wanted to. But the one came while Jesus was living and anointed in front of everybody and poured a very, very expensive perfume onto his head and onto his feet. And Jesus says to, to them, she has done this in preparation for my burial. He knew that he was going to die. But she did that while he was still living. The other Mary was on, on, on the resurrection morning, on that Sunday morning, she ran to the tomb and the tomb was opened and she saw uh, Archangel Gabriel sitting there and said, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? But she was there to anoint the body of Jesus and she came into the tomb and she saw the grave clothes neatly tidied up. I mean, that's a wonderful example for us that Jesus... In, the, in his resurrection, folds his grave clothes up nicely and needs I mean, why can't he be like the rest of us and just sort of dump the stuff there? I mean, really? But that's the example. I mean, but, but, but Mary was there, and it, but he was, he was gone. She was too late to anoint his body. Do it during your living years. You need to maximize the moment. You see, the opportunity of the lifetime always exists in the duration of that opportunity. That's it. And then it's past. Take the opportunity when it's there, when you're presented with it. One of the books that made a huge impression on me a number of years ago was the book Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. It was a guy that got a terminal lung disease and he got together with a whole bunch of people before his death. He knew he was going to die. He got to death and he said, I want to have a memorial service now while I'm, while I'm living. And I thought, that would be fantastic. If you know you're going to die, I want to just say thank you to the people that I'm going to go from now. And I hope that they're going to say thank you back to me. You can exchange that. You know, years ago when I left university, my, my dad and his church in Durban North assisted a, a very, very dynamic uh, minister in the Presbyterian denomination. His name was Emlyn Jones. He was, he was regarded as the prince of preachers. Boy, when you stood up with his Welsh accent, he just captivated you. He got you. I mean, you were listening to every single word. But he never prepared for his retirement, and he lived well into his 90s. And my dad saw to it that he subsidized and assisted him during his pension years, his retirement years. And he was so grateful to my father that he said, I want to give something back to you, but I want to give my entire library to Richard. I wasn't complaining. I mean, it was a library. And I went and I got it, and I went and visited him, and he was a frail old man with white, white hair, bald on top. I'm getting a bit like that. But white, white hair all around the side. Just such a gracious, gracious man. Went back to university, and I thought, I, I, I need to say thank you. Just thank you again. I, wa I want to write to him. I'm going to do that. And then one day, I got the message that he had passed away. And I hadn't thanked him. And I regretted it. You know, one of the people that, one of the thousands that we've ministered to over the years, when we were at a little church in Edgemead, they came into the congregation. 
and um, they said, we want to get married. And I knew that she had been married before, and we chatted a bit, and we did, the we, did the, we did the wedding, and we got them to accept Jesus Christ into their lives, and we got them baptized. And just one, one day, I, I started to pray, and I started to ask them. I said, tell me, tell me about, were you divorced? No, I wasn't divorced. My husband, my husband died. He was killed in an accident. And as it began to unfold, I began to realize that this was just a traumatic event that took place. I, I started to, to ask questions. You know, we ministers, we, we, we elders, we can ask questions. So I, I discovered that her and her previous husband had had a huge fight. A huge fight. And their parting words to one another were, the most obscene swear words that you can imagine. And you too. And that was the... He went off, was involved in an accident, an artery of his was cut, was severed, and he bled to death in the motor car. The last words that you say to your husband are those swear words. What regret? What regret? Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Share gratitude. Share thanksgiving. So the get around to it man. The next one is the self-consumed man. The self-consumed man. Always busy with your own ideas, with your own opinions. You see, these guys were healed on the way. Oh, I, you know, I've got my stuff to do. I'm going to go to my family. I'll, I'll hopefully get an opportunity to see Jesus again. But that never happened. All that Jesus said was, go and show yourself to the priests. Hey, listen, if this was the Savior of the world, if this was the Savior of the world, shouldn't he have come and spent some time with us, spoken to us, laid hands on us, prayed for us, just spent a little bit of time? But all that he does is, go and show yourself to the world. You see, you're so consumed with what he didn't do. You know, it's an Old Testament story like that. There's a guy called Naaman who was the commander of the Syrian army. He gets leprosy. And his wife's slave girl says to him, you need to go to a prophet in Israel and speak to him. His name is Elijah. So he goes to Elijah. He knocks on the door. And a servant girl comes in Elisha's home and says, yes, what do you want? He says, I'm Naaman. I'm the commander of the armies of Syria. I want to speak to Elisha. Elisha, he wants to speak to you. Ask him what he wants. I've got leprosy. I want to be healed. He's got leprosy. He wants to be healed. Tell him to go and dip himself seven times in the Jordan River. That's all. Didn't even meet him personally. And Naaman is irritated. Self-consumed. How dare this man say to me, I mean, tell me to go and dip in some of the Syrian rivers. They're much better. That Jordan River, it's ugly, it's muddy. <laughs> so self-consumed. And then one of, his, one of his soldiers said, Guy, 
commander, captain, whatever you want. Just go and do it. And he was healed of his leprosy. You see, we get so consumed with stuff. You know, when I was in my first charge in Mullerton, there was, you know, we, we still had those overhead projectors and we had those, uh, what do you call them, transparencies. <laughs> and we had to move them around and have them all in a pile so we knew where we were. Now we've got a whole different AV system. But there was a woman, we put a screen right next to the cross in the Presbyterian church that I was serving in, and she performed. Oh, a screen next to the cross. How it detracts from the cross. And she was serious. I mean, regardless of the fact that we can, with that screen and that overhead and the words, help people to enter into worship. But she was just so, so self-consumed with that situation. And she caused such an issue. When we were bringing the little church that we had in Durbanville into Josh Jen, we had just under 100 folk. Andrew came and he shared with the congregation once. We had a combined congregation with Josh Jen Durbanville and our congregation. And all, all our guys, the, just under 100 folk, I think it was 96, uh, were sitting there. And Andrew was talking about body life, and he was talking about the different parts of the body and how important it is to, to be a part of the body of Christ, you know. And the hand can't do what the foot does, and the foot can't do what the liver does, and the liver can't do what the heart does, and that we're all part. And they were all arguing with one another, which is the most important part in the body? And they were arguing, and he used the word, which I think is quite cute, the word pupulki. And the pupuki said, I'm going to show who's boss, and I'm going to close up shop. And within days, the whole body started to turn toxic, and everybody realized, you're very important. <laughs> and there was one woman from our bunch that came to me and said, I'm not coming back to Josh Jen, because the pastor uses the word pupuki. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, he was preaching for 45 minutes. So for 44 minutes and 58 seconds, he preached the truth. But for two seconds, he used that word. I mean, how self-consumed do you have to be to be so focused on that one word that you forget everything else? So for those of you who are self-consumed here this morning, I want to say to you, pupuki, pupuki, pupuki. <laughs> And then the last one is the forgetful man. Just forgetting. You know, we have to combat our negativity. It is said that the brain is five times, has five times more negative circuits than the positive ones. And we automatically tend to be focused on the negative. That's our negativity bias all the time. But when we are grateful, it forces the brain to think about the positive. Paul reminds us to be positive. 
And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of these things. You remember the old song, Count Your Blessings? Name them one by one. Count your blessings and see what God has done. Count your blessings and name them one by one, and it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. It's an impossible piece of advice. Our arithmetic is not that good, but we must at least try to count His incredible blessings. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my innermost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. And it goes on and it lists 22 other benefits. He gets so overwhelmed that I don't know if he just runs out of pen and parchment or he runs out of breath or thoughts, whatever, but he just gets to the end of that and just Psalm 103 is just filled with praise. Now, I only want to praise God when I feel like it. Nonsense. You tell your soul. You make a decision that you're going to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. And then our emotions will follow. Like little ducklings following mother duck down to the pond. It'll just follow suit. And we start to praise the Lord. Some people keep a gratitude journal. I've got a file in my filing cabinet of all the good things, the letters and the things that people have said and done. And when I'm down, I go to that thing. I haven't done it much, but when I have been a little discouraged, I go to that and I say, mm. there have been people that have been appreciative. Let me give you some verses. First Corinthians 16, 34, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 107 and verse 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and the wonderful deeds for men. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, but thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Wherever Jesus was, he gave thanks. When he broke bread and fed thousands, he gave thanks. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he, fought, he thanked God in advance for what he was going to do. When he got to communion, he said, I'm going to give thanks. Giving thanks is so important. There is an old saying about gratitude. If you have forgotten the language of gratitude, you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. I want to finish off with a legend story. Guy went into the barn belonged to Satan. There were a whole lot of seeds. The biggest bag were the seeds of discouragement. And the person asked Satan, why is this the biggest bag? He says, because I can sow it anywhere. 
I can sow it anywhere and it will always result in what I intend. Discouragement. But then he went on to say, but there is only one place that these seeds will not work. And where is that? In the heart of a grateful man or woman. We should be thankful to God for all that he's done. Thank him for sending Jesus, for dying for us on the cross, for his shed blood, for his redemption, for his salvation, for sending the Holy Spirit to be with us, to be inside us, to live inside of us, and to live through us. For all his blessings each and every single day. Start your day, end your day, by being grateful. The Lord has given me so much. My prayer is that he would continue to give me one thing, a grateful heart.